0: Folks, welcome to Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. I'm your host Ryan Blackburn at NBA Blackburn on Twitter. It is Saturday night as I am recording this following Denver's Matinee game win over the Houston Rockets final score of that 95-94. Nikola Jokic comes up with a clutch-time block, as the buzzer sounds. Uh, really kind of encapsulates just how much better defensively he has been so far this year. And it's really cool that that manifested itself in that way. It's it's just another uh, another example, I would say, of just how good he has been defensively and just how good he gets in clutch moments too. You have to have that clutch factor. You have to have that want to Uh, That connectedness, the basketball IQ, in order to be in the right place at the right time. And he constantly puts himself there. And I think that really stands out when you talk about this game. Uh, He clearly didn't have a perfect game offensively. I thought that there are definitely some instances of him not reacting well to the foul calls and things like that. But he gets the block in the end, the Nuggets get the win. That is how it goes. That's just, it's just one of those things about the NBA. This podcast is going to be covering Michael Porter Jr. going down, Jokic and Barton kind of doing well in in the process and kind of in his place, uh, making sure to pick up this win, even while Denver was struggling as much as they were. Uh, Beyond that, some timely buckets from Aaron Gordon, Faku Capazzo good defense and good rebounding from PJ Dozier. Uh, That's a really good sign for Denver that if they have to survive for a long time while Michael Porter is out, then they might be able to do so. But first uh, we got to talk about Porter going down uh, because I do think that that even more than anything else is the story of the game Uh, defense and, and great Will Barton buckets. They started out the game real well. Uh, But then Denver gets a steal. Michael Porter gets the ball on a three-on-0 fast break. Will Barton's a little bit ahead of him, uh, but Porter takes it himself, goes up for the dunk and, and kind of flat tires it a little bit. Basically what I mean by that, he goes up for the basket, goes up for the dunk, and he just doesn't get the lift on his jump that you would normally see from somebody like that. And After that happened, he Looked like he was uh, gimpy a little bit, holding the back of his leg, holding his hip, somewhere around that area. Uh, and then after the first time out, he stayed in the game for a little bit, even got a basket. But uh, after the first time out of the game, he came out and never actually returned. And ultimately, what, it's, what they listed him as was questionable, and then out with lower back soreness that was the determination that they made. And that's kind of a concern because where he was grabbing, uh, with around his leg, around his hip, there are some nerves that go from the lower back down into the lower body. And if you're grabbing at those areas and then are listed out with lower back soreness, then that to me says there's some nerve stuff going on. I am not a doctor. I do not have the exact, uh, like, like diagnosis of what happened to Porter and nor does anybody else in the media. So take what I'm saying and what everybody else is saying with a grain of salt, but it should be concerning. It should absolutely be something where, uh, we don't like, we, we don't know what the long-term health is for Porter. We don't like, we've always heard and we've always thought that Denver was going to be cautious with him from a contract standpoint because of the back, because of various things that went into uh, his long-term health. And now, as we see it, gets a back injury in the first 10 games of the year uh, going into this season, and that is a major concern. So hopefully this is nothing. Hopefully this is just he tweaked something in his back, and it was kind of giving him some problems, and it's not something that's serious. Uh, because if it is, then Denver's going to be in trouble because they're already without Jamal Murray for most of the year, and you can't just catch like you can't just count on him being elite when he comes back anyway. So one of the big reasons why Denver was projected to be a really good basketball team this year was because of Porter, was because of his ability to step up and make shots in the absence of somebody like Murray that hasn't happened so far but there was an expectation that it would happen eventually so i am concerned and nuggets fans should definitely be concerned too there was no word from michael malone or the nuggets post game that sort of changes my mind on on that but it's going to be interesting to see what the subsequent injury reports look like whether we get word about him being out for a day a week a month whatever it is Uh, We probably won't have any long-term diagnosis. Uh, Perhaps Mike Singer or somebody else will get the inside scoop on that. In Michael Porter Jr.'s place, as I mentioned, Barton was very good early. Jokic was great in the middle. Nobody was really good late, but Denver got some timely buckets that they needed that helped them propel across the finish line. Will Barton gets 15 points, 7 rebounds, 6 assists was very important in Denver, capitalizing on the great defense that they played in the first quarter. Uh, One of the things that really stands out with this team so far this year is that they don't always take advantage of the good defense when they do play it. Because sometimes when the good defense comes around, the offense is a sham. Uh, It was really important that Will Barton, at the time that he did, made the buckets that he did in that first quarter. Because if he doesn't make the buckets and Denver's only up, let's say, 10 to 8 at the point of the first timeout, Denver might lose this game because Houston would come in and they would put a pounding on the bench unit like has always been happening lately. And Denver probably doesn't even get to 95 points, let alone any big number that they probably should be getting to at this point against the Houston Rockets. Um, The final line on the efficiency wasn't very good for Barton. He was seven of 19. Everybody's jumper was broke tonight, pretty much. Uh, But in the first quarter, Barton had a steal and a block. He had a made three. He had nine total points and assist, did everything that he needed to in order to help to get Denver to a big lead. Usually in that situation, then you have somebody else who can step up and take over at various points. And Jokic did but nobody else did, and so that's that's kind of been Denver's issue of late. Uh, Denver doesn't win this game without Will Barton. I did want to shout him out. He is a very, very important piece. He has been Denver's second best player so far, uh, unless you want to count Aaron Gordon and what he's done defensively. But I think it's important to credit Barton for stepping up offensively in place of Michael Porter Jr., As I mentioned, Jokic was also great for the majority of the game, especially in that second and third quarter, maybe not even really early fourth quarter, but mostly second and third. uh, Did have a couple of questionable turnovers. There were some passes that he made, uh, especially I think the, the initial stages of the third quarter. He had a pass where he was trying to lead the defense to go a certain way, and they just didn't react. And then he threw up a floating pass and it was just right to the defensive player. Uh, There are some definitely questionable turnovers, but most of what he does on a consistent basis is very uh, intentional. It's very direct, and there's nothing that the defense can really do to stop it. I thought he did a great job of battling through contact today. Had 28 points, 14 rebounds, two assists, uh, compared to five turnovers, and that's that's something that needs to change, and as does the two assists, to be frank. But when the team isn't making shots and you have to kind of run things through the guards in order to uh, then find Jokic so that he can be the one to score because nobody else can, that's probably the biggest issue. Daniel Tice, uh, the starting center for the Rockets, was very physical in this matchup. He was very handsy. He was putting his shoulder into Jokic, he was putting his hips into Jokic, just trying to get his hands on him, get him bothered, and be as physical and, and as n- nuisance-like as possible. Uh, and somehow Daniel Tice only finished with two fouls. I was there today, and it, it just looked like Jokic and Lauren Holtkamp, the, uh, the official, number seven official uh, on the crew today, they were they just had it out for each other today for some reason. Uh, Holcamp was not giving Jokic any calls. He kept looking directly at her, and she kept either looking at him and not doing anything or looking away. Uh, it was very weird, uh, kind of like a Tony Brothers or a Rodney Mott situation or whatnot. But I mean, he still had twenty eight and fourteen, so it's not like I'm I'm not going to put up a big stink about this one. And at one point, he was matched up against the great rookie, Alperen Shangun, uh, who was, was just really good. Like, this this Shangun kid is really, really talented, and he hit a shot over Jokic on the perimeter today uh, that just nothing but net drilled, and the, the shot looked really good. Uh, Jokic got him in a one-on-one situation, though, on the other end, kind of around the left elbow, dribbled into him. And, and Shangun flopped hard, just just really hard. And Jokic stares down at him, looks him directly in the eye uh, just to let him know that he flopped and then scores a bucket on him, which turns out to be an and one. It uh, was really hilarious because that's that's kind of who Jokic is. Like If you try to disrespect Jokic by flopping on him, then he's going to let you know. He does it every time. It's really funny. He did struggle down the stretch, didn't handle the physicality well, but he made the key play, and that's what matters most in the end. He got the block at the buzzer, avoided a foul on the initial drive by Eric Gordon, turns and faces Ja'Sean Tate, who attacks him at the rim, pokes the ball right out of his hands, gets his hand right in between Ja'Sean Tate's hands and gets the ball free. Uh, really, really good play. I thought that Ja'Sean Tate was very interesting. He uh in the post game said that he thought it was a foul, but then quote tweeted, uh, the quote that was put out there by the reporter and said in post, oh yeah, no, that was definitely clean. Jokic definitely blocked it basically. And you like to see that from players. You like to see players acknowledging good things and like, like legal things and not just, uh, holding out hope or not, not holding out, but just like being delusional in some of those cases uh, but Jay Shantae clearly wasn't, I respect him all the more for it. Uh, this was a C plus game for Jokic, but because this is a C plus game, I'll take that. Denver gets a, uh, Denver gets a win 95, 94. Jokic gets 28 and 14. You just got to scratch and claw, especially in these cases, you got to scratch and claw and hope that you, uh, come out on top in some cases and you got to get the home wins. And so glad that Denver got this win. Um. Because had they not, it would have been a really bad way to go to four and five. So they're instead five and four. Let's take a break. When we come back, I want to talk about the timely play of Aaron Gordon, PJ Dozier, and even Faku Kompazo. We will be right back. All right, we're back. Pickaxe and roll. Thank you so much for making me a part of your day. Uh, really appreciate all the love, uh, even from Argentina. And, like, I know I, know I, I said what I said on Twitter. Uh, Argentina fans, and especially fans of Foxy Capazo, are diehard. They, they love him. They support him. I totally get it. I totally understand it. It probably seems like I'm attacking him. I'm really not. I'm trying to tell it how it is. I just want people to know that... My goal is just to call it how it is and not to get too overly analytical in these cases. I'm an analytics guy, though. Sometimes that slips into my background. And I know that Faku fans, uh, they do not appreciate me throwing a bunch of numbers at their guy. So I I get it. Uh, I'll talk about Faku in just a bit. But I do want to like he's going to be pushed up in a positive light in this segment. So just just hold on for me. Uh, the Nuggets scored 95 points tonight. They scored 23 points in the final quarter. Uh, the offense has not been good. Uh, Denver scores, they get they get nine threes, 22% from three, nine of 40. And that's just not enough. And, and the only reason that they actually had that many was the clutch play of Aaron Gordon, who definitely not known as a three-point shooter. You see all of Denver's other shooters. Will Barton goes one of eight tonight. Michael Porter, 0 of 2 in the seven minutes that he played. Just can't find anything from three. Nikola Jokic goes 1 of 3. Probably could have hit more threes if he wanted to, but he wanted to put pressure on the rim. Monte Morris, 1 of 5. He needs to be better as a three-point shooter. Uh, His shot has not been accurate of late, and that has really hurt Denver's starting group in terms of the, the potential margin that they could have. But in that starting group, Aaron Gordon has been the best three-point shooter of late, and it's crazy to think about because he's not necessarily known as the best three-point guy. But he has worked on his shot, it's very clear, has taken his time, and he doesn't take too many shots. So when he does take them, it's usually good ones. Tonight, he goes three of six from the three-point line, Uh, nine points, three of seven from the field overall, only took one shot inside the arc, which I thought was interesting. Uh, Three rebounds, two assists, two blocks, was a plus six tonight. But the two shots that mattered the most were the ones where he needed to get one up. He was in the right corner on one of the shots and the left corner on the other. Right corner one was open. That's the one that Denver wants to generate, where they, they make sure to get an open three. It's not necessarily their first read on the possession, but if the possession does result in an open 3 from a guy like Gordon, he needs to be able to knock it down. And actually, you know, I might be thinking of the Jeff Green one. I think Aaron Gordon actually hit both of his from the left corner. Let me check the uh let me check the shot chart real quick because that will absolutely Well, he hit one from the right corner and he had two from the left corner. So, it is what it is. Uh what I will say is that Gordon being able to hit those shots makes the contract good. It turns what is a defensive stopper kind of contract, a offensive connector, kind of cutter, facilitator, playmaker for others, roller to the rim occasionally. It makes him more than just kind of that connective piece. He has always had the capability to hit shots. It just hasn't really happened in Denver so far. And the hope is that he eventually becomes comfortable enough where that can be a consistency rather than just a a fluke thing that occasionally happens. He's going to be asked to do more if Michael Porter Jr. is out for a significant period of time. I hope that he's ready for that responsibility. I wouldn't expect it. I'm not trying to put too much pressure on somebody like that. But now if Denver's without Murray and Porter, somebody's got to step up. It's been Barton so far. Hopefully it's Morris and hopefully it's Gordon. Uh, But the two shots that he did hit, they were very, very, very important, especially the last one where Denver goes from down 94 to 92 with the clock running down with about 40 seconds left to go, to being up 95 to 94 after Aaron Gordon hits a buzzer beater with somebody defending him right in his grill in the corner. That's not a shot that you're expecting to make. Absolutely not. And he still hit it. He still made it. And those are the kinds of plays that you need to make in a game where you, it's only 95 to 94, those are the ones that make the difference, and he absolutely made a difference today. P.J. Dozier, two clutch rebounds down the stretch where he skied above the crowd to secure a possession. Uh, he's going to be playing more minutes in place of Michael Porter. Uh, he did a nice job tonight, too. Kind of filled in the gaps, kind of did what he needed to just around what these Nuggets uh have been asking of him. He's not necessarily, he hasn't been good really. Like let's let's, let's be clear about that. The outside jumper needs to come around. It, it needs to come around for a lot of these guys, but especially for PJ, because if he's going to be getting the shots that he is, he's got to make some of them. Um, But the good news is is that he does everything else. Uh, Six points on two of seven from the field. He hit a pull-up mid-range jumper. He got to the rim on a really nice uh, rim run in transition where he had the opportunity to pull up from three. Instead slashed to the rim and that made a really, really impressive move in the middle of a couple of uh, Houston Rockets defenders. Had four rebounds, including the two I talked about. Had four assists. Had three steals. In just twenty-three minutes, and a couple of those passes with uh, with Dozier were to Jokic, where he spent some time in the second quarter and the third quarter, and the fourth quarter too, along with Jokic, where he was operating as a pick and roll ball handler and and made sure to deliver an on time, precise pass to a player like Jokic, who he just needs the ball in the right spot, and once he gets it. It's basically curtains. He doesn't always get it at the right spot. But if Dozier can get it to him more consistently, I could see him playing more with the starting group. He's probably going to be the guy that they go to, that if Porter is out for any period of time, Dozier will be the starter. So I'm, I'm curious to see how they handle that. And now let's talk about Faku uh two important three-pointers tonight one of them was a step back off the dribble his defender goes under a screen and those are the shots that faku has to hit those are the ones that I'm expecting him to hit on a more consistent basis going forward uh, because they're ones where if if the opposing team is going to if they're going to sit in the paint and dare Denver to shoot faku is one of those guys that hasn't shot the ball well yet just like just yet, but he's capable of doing better. He's been so off that some of these shots where he gets a really easy look, not easy look, but but a, a standard look for somebody, a point guard that is seeing the defense go under on his shots, under on his pick and roll attempts. That is the way for him to create space for himself and create space for others. I really like seeing that from him. And it's very important that he continues to do that. The other one I'm not expecting to continue was a late shot clock heave where for the entire possession, I kid you not, he was bothered by his defender. I think it was Kevin Porter Jr. But if it wasn't him, it was somebody else who was just just hounding him to hell. Uh, They were being very physical with him. He couldn't get past his own defender. And then was given back the ball with about five seconds left on the clock. Dribbles into what is a bad shot for him, which is a leaning three point shot from about 28 feet out. And he hit it. And I'm glad he hit it. That was very big for Denver that they uh, capitalized on some good bench play. And sometimes you got to get lucky. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good in that case. And I don't, cause I don't think that that's something that he's going to want to go to consistently. And that's why it's very important that he made that shot was that even in the bad situations, if you can generate something out of nothing, that's a really big deal. But I'm not expecting that consistently from him. And I don't think anybody else should either. It also should be noted that he was two of five from three. He was not two of two. He was minus 20 on the game, which was the worst on the team. And at this point now that he is the second worst plus minus in the entire NBA uh, to Terrence Ross of the Orlando Magic, where that context is really important. Terrence Ross isn't the worst player in the NBA, but he might have the worst supporting cast. That's for sure. I don't want to shit on Fakukin, like constantly, though, like he has not been put in a very easy position to succeed. The companions for him on the bench are a rookie in Bones Highland, an underperforming PJ Dozier who has not been able to shoot from outside, and two underperforming Greens in Jamichael and Jeff Green who have not been very good to start the year. Uh, Jeff Green did hit a three earlier this year, or not? Not this year. Uh, in this game, down the stretch, in a very, very important possession, but he can't be the only one. Uh, and like that, like. It's just, it has not been good enough from the entire offensive process standpoint. And something that I want to stress to my friends in Argentina is that I'm not necessarily saying that Faku is a bad player. I think a lot of people in my mentions will say that Faku is a bad player, but I don't say that. I, I don't think that that's true. I've seen him play well, especially last year where he even played well as a starter. The context is really important, and he's not in a good position where his skill set can be shown off to the degree that it's helpful for the team. The problem is is that if you need that consistent context in order to be a good basketball player for the Nuggets and be a a good consistent helper, and Denver doesn't have that to offer to you, then it's – kind of out of my hands. It's kind of out of Michael Malone's hands in that case where they've had to go to a guy like Bones Highland who can get into the paint consistently because Faku can't really. I thought he did a better job today. Other guys just didn't make their threes. Bones had a really bad game and I want to be consistent with him that on some of the things that he did today where like I was very hard on Faku last game, for letting John ja or not John ja Moran, for letting Tyus Jones get all the way to the rim at the buzzer. And I have to be just as hard on bones for that too. Though he is a rookie, he is going to make mistakes. I do think that Faku is a good player. He's like the eighth or ninth man, maybe a tenth man on a lot of teams. And he needs a rim roller. It's just something that Denver doesn't have. And I don't think that Denver should be going out of the way to put Faku into a good position to succeed. That's kind of my point here. So when you commit $200 million to Michael Porter, you do what you can to help him succeed. You, you try to like, cause that's a big piece of your future with Faku, They're just trying to get support for the rest of their bench. Just like they're trying to get it from Austin Rivers or Bones Highland or PJ Dozier or whoever. Faku's the only guy who hasn't had his minutes disturbed. Like like disturbed. He's the only guy who hasn't really been given a bunch of like not a bunch like he's he's been given a bunch of opportunities to really show it. That's one of the reasons why his plus minus is low is because he's on the floor a lot. And Denver has just really struggled when he's been out there. So they've tried a whole bunch of different things. They're probably going to leave him out there, as they probably should. I don't want them to bench anybody. But I also think that they might be at their best or at least better if Bones Highland is out there with Will Barton and Austin Rivers, for example, or Will Barton and P.J. Dosher. Or even Austin Rivers and P.J. Dosher. I think there's at least something to that. But we're going to have to see. And I don't hate your guy. I I really, really don't. It's just what I want to stress. Okay, let's take a break. When we come back, we are going to discuss what the Nuggets look like without Michael Porter Jr. long term. We will be right back. In, let's now discuss what the Nuggets are going to do if Michael Porter Jr. is out for a significant period. I think that this is a big question mark because without Jamal Murray already, now you're without Michael Porter Jr. and the big three that you're really trying to build around here, where uh, Porter is at his best and Jokic is at his best and Murray is at his best, that even if those guys aren't at their best all the time, They can usually pick each other up. And that's what Jokic has done so far for Porter. Uh, And he's going to have to do it without Murray and Porter for, I I don't know. Like like I said at the beginning of this pod, we don't know how long Porter could be out. Uh, Whether this is going to be a one-game kind of absence, a five-game kind of absence, or potentially something longer. Uh, I would be concerned as I previously mentioned, and Denver's going to have to find a solution. The problem is that it really doesn't seem like there's a great solution on the roster just sitting there, that without Murray, you could at least look to a Bones Highland or somebody where you had a ready-made solution to your absence on the roster already. The problem with Porter is that there's very few players on Denver's roster that are Both 6'10 and elite shooters uh, that can really kind of step into that role without Denver kind of going undersized and without really changing what Denver does all that much. Uh, Porter is a very tough player for Denver to replace because they don't have a true backup small forward. They've been playing PJ Dozier there, and sometimes they've even played PJ at power forward, but really what it is is that. Dozier is a tall guard who has been playing the three and three guard lineups, and those three guard lineups are about to make a they're about to make a debut for Denver in the starting lineup this year if Porter is out. Uh, PJ Dozier will probably start in his place, if that does happen, and I hope that it does, because I want to see what PJ Dozier looks like when he starts and plays with Nikola Jokic more frequently. As I mentioned, they have pretty good chemistry. They're a team where if you play well with Jokic, if you have a good two man game with Jokic, usually everything else takes care of itself. And Dozier has that where they can go to the dribble handoff offense, is what I like to call it, where you start with a high pick and roll. Let's say it's Monte Morris. He dumps it back off to Jokic and he gets a pick and pop attempt. He doesn't like it. He dribbles over to the other side of the court and gets Will Barton involved. And Barton comes around a curl and looks for his own options. And if he doesn't like it, he pops it back out to Jokic, puts him into a position. And Jokic either can go at his man or he could try to get a third person involved. And more often than not, it's going to be the three. It's going to be P.J. Dozier in this case. And I like that Denver is going to have Morris, Barton, and Dozier out there if they do, because those guys should all be able to hit off the dribble looks while also setting up Jokic, while also putting him in position where he can score. All three of those guys have really good chemistry with him. And I could absolutely see Jokic averaging like 30 over the course of Porter's absence, because he's going to have to, because Denver doesn't have a lot of other scoring. PJ has not been reliable. Uh, Will Barton has been he has been good, uh, but if anything, he's been pretty inefficient over the course of the three of the past four games. And that sort of happens. And Mate Morris, he hasn't been hitting threes. He's been hitting twos. But when you only hit twos, then you're still kind of inefficient at this place in the guard rotation. So I hope PJ can make things easier on the rest of the group adding a good defender into that group should help continue to make Denver's defense good, Uh, they can rely on that pretty consistently. That As long as Morris and Barton and Dozier and Gordon are staying connected and Jokic is directing everybody out, then they can continue to play good defense against some really, really good teams. And they're going to be facing some good teams coming up. Miami. Indiana's not good, but, but they have talent. Atlanta. Portland. Those four teams could be dangerous from an offensive perspective, but Denver does have more of a capability now that as long as Jokic continues to play stout defense, as long as he continues to take those possessions seriously, and then everybody stays connected around that, then they should be pretty solid. As long as they're not giving up wide open threes, and they're giving up some open threes tonight that Houston just didn't knock down. Kevin Porter specifically, Jalen Green specifically, those guys really, really struggled. But Jokic and Barton, they're going to have to take on more shots, more responsibility. Jokic in particular is probably going to have to take more than the 15 shots he took today. Uh, Barton, 7 of 19, 1 of 8 from 3, 0 free throw attempts. Uh, Jokic took 11 of Denver, 17 free throw attempts, so... They're going to have to find ways to get to the rim. They're going to have to find ways to draw fouls. And whether that's made easier by the fact that Porter wasn't really getting to the rim before, or if he was, it was kind of off of offensive rebounds, then uh, maybe this gives Denver a little bit more space to operate. Maybe if they have another guy in Dozier who they can use to attack the gaps, then maybe he can get to the rim, create some shots for himself and others. Uh, That would be good. Gordon, he's going to have to take more shots too. Perhaps he might even slide to the three on the occasion where he's played mostly four. He's played mostly power forward. But without Porter and with no backup three, you might be in a place where though P.J. Dozier is going to start, Gordon, he's going to have to slide there occasionally. Because it can't just be P.J. Dozier and Austin Rivers off the bench. Like Denver's going to have to find some way to match size for size. Especially against a team like Miami, if they come to town, as they do on Monday, then Denver's going to need somebody to match up physically with Jimmy Butler. They're also going to need players to chase around Duncan Robinson and Tyler Hero and players like that. But actually, I think that Denver kind of matches up a little bit better with Miami now, even without Porter, than they do with him. As long as Gordon is on, uh, is on Jimmy. That should be a pretty fun matchup. But even still, you've got Indiana, you've got Atlanta, you've got Portland. There are some really good guards mixed in with some pretty good bigs there. And Jokic is going to be tested. Will Barton's going to be tested. Monte Morris is going to be tested. They're going to need other players to step up around them. Austin Rivers got into the rotation today. Faku, Bones, they're going to need to be on their game. Jeff Green, he'll probably need to take a slightly larger role as well, uh, because especially if Gordon's going to slide to the three, somebody else is going to have to play the four. It's probably going to be Jeff Green. I wonder if Zeke Naji gets an opportunity at some point. I wonder if Bull Bull gets an opportunity at some point. I remember last year when Porter got injured, Bull Bull was the guy that they initially tapped to start, and he didn't do very well, but he was the guy that they put in that position. Now, do I think that they're going to put in bowl uh, now at this point? No. Not after he liked various tweets about wanting to be traded. But it is what it is. Either way, I talked to Denver – not Denver. I talked to Brendan at the game, and we both kind of thought that three and two on this home stand would be par for the course. You've already banked a win against Houston. Miami just went into – or no, they're still at home, but but they played – Utah, pretty tough, and ultimately won against them today. Indiana, they're doing all right. Atlanta, they're currently playing Phoenix pretty well. Portland, they're currently playing against the Lakers. It's going to be interesting to see how each of those teams continues to look over the course of these next few days. But Denver, they can still go 3-2. and two. Even without Porter, I think that that should be par for the course. 4-1 and one should be considered a really, really great homestand, but it's going to take a big effort. It's going to take a lot of great shooting, some better shooting than what Denver's had right now. They are the third worst team in the NBA in three-point percentage, and that is going to have to change if they are ever going to have a chance of going three and two on this homestand. That's my opinion. And I think that's going to do it for this episode of Pickaxe and Roll, presented by DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Always appreciate it. Probably won't have a podcast on Monday, but we'll recap the Monday night game against the Miami Heat. Hopefully it goes well. I'm looking forward to the Jokic versus Bam matchup. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Make sure to sign up for DraftKings and make sure to use promo code MHS when you do. We'll talk to you guys next week.